0: happy father's day to all you men and yes I'm gonna be speaking to men but I'm gonna ask women don't uh, don't shut me out right now because this this can be applicable to you as well and, and I'm believing for God to do some things in this house and uh, I, I just I, I've had a stirring all night and all morning I was up and down and just I, I can't wait as we were worshiping I was reminded of a scripture that I read this week, and I believe it's Judges chapter 3, and I think I got it Mark, let me just read this to you, yeah here it is, in Judges chapter 3 verse 31, it's just a simple verse, it simply says this, after Ehud, how would you like that name, (laughs) yo Ehud, after Ehud came Shamgar, getting better isn't it, (laughs) son of Anath, Man, that's some names right there, fellas. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. (laughs) And it says this about him. It simply says, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and he too saved Israel. That's all it says about him. I Googled him. And there's only one other verse that mentions this joker. But he says, Shamgar struck down... 600 Philistines with a nox goad and saved Israel. Now, I had a dear pastor friend that used to always tell me this. He would say, Scott, you are a good man, but there's no demand for good men. I love you, but there's no demand for good men. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. But I want to proclaim this morning, there may not be a demand for good men, which I believe there is. But there is a demand for great men. There is a demand in this generation, in this society, in this community for great men to stand up. And I believe Shamgar was a great man. He was a great man. And this morning, it's not just about being a a great father, a, a, a great husband, but it's about being a great man. I want to be that great man. I want to raise up young, great men. Men to grow up to be great men. And there are certain characteristics that have to exist in a man's life for him to be a great man. And I want us to look at some simple principles. You, you may look at me and say, oh, man, I knew that. And if you do, I'm going to look at you and say, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> The women laughed, the men looked at me. (laughs) But I want us to look at these principles that it doesn't matter if you're 16 or you're 96. They're principles that will make us great men. They're things that each one of us as men should have in our lives. And I'm just gonna jump right in here. Number one, you should be a protector. You should be a protector. You should be protective. You should be concerned about your household's well-being. You know, Hannah, I've never heard you amen me in a service. But after this next statement, I should. you should blow my hair back what little bit I got. <laughs> because you're, if, you're, if you... Are a protector. That man is going to get on your nerves. (laughs) Because he's going to be doing things like, where you at? Who you with? When will you be home? You see, this was the era before we had the tracking devices on their phones. (laughs) My next one, I'll know every move she makes. God help her. I mean, Hannah never knew I was sitting behind her in the movie theater. And I was just waiting for the opportunity. Just waiting. You're a protector. You protect. There there should be in your household this inclination that if dad's around, we're safe. If dad's not there, he's a phone call away, and he'll be here as quick as he can to make us safe. Because everything under our sponsorship, men, is assigned to you. And in the assignment is to protect. If anybody would have messed with Hannah at Disney last week, it had been on like Donkey Kong, wouldn't it, coach? Definitely. We are assigned to protect. You should... As we give our families back to God, we're saying, God, I'm giving them to you, but everything you've entrusted to me, I'm gonna do all within my power to protect. He's a protector, protecting them against the adversary, protecting them against somebody trying to defraud them, trying to, to protect them against any kind of trouble that may come their way, protecting them against stress. Men, yes. Sometimes you deal with stuff. Sometimes you deal with things and and wives, children, spouses, you will never know the things that he's going through because he's not going to talk about it. Things you'll never be able to see because as a leader and as a priest, it hits you first. It comes against you first. Why is that? Because you're the priest. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And if the adversary can take you out, he can destroy the whole kit and caboodle. And some of the things that he's protecting you from, some of the things that man sitting beside you today has taken for you, you'll never see it, you'll never know it. Because it hits him first. And you know what we do? We defray trouble. Y'all getting quiet on me in the house. We defray it. You see, what happens is, if there's anything standing beside me, behind me, that wind hits me first, and I'm keeping it off of them. I'm going to protect them from it. I'm going to defray them from it. And I'm just going to throw this out here. Unfortunately, even if you are a, a single mom, you're going to step into this role. Until God, anyway, we, that's another sermon another day. Brother, brothers, let me just, here lies the problem in being a father. Most people don't realize your worth until you're gone. I never realized what my father did for me and how my father stood for my family. I never realized how much he protected us from, how much he defrayed from me until he was gone. I never knew until my father was deceased how much he took care of us. Because after you're gone, the full wind hits them right where they're at, and they say, Lord, I didn't know Fred did so much. Lord, I didn't know how he handled that. I didn't know he took care of that. They don't appreciate you now because they don't see you're the blocking wall, you're protecting, you're guarding. There's things that I may carry home and and she may realize something's wrong because I'm not saying anything, but she'll never know. My kids will never know because I'm protecting them. It's part of being the protector and everything that that would hit you. And and when you're gone, all of a sudden, they got to deal with it. Let me give you an example. Elisha followed Elijah. And all he had to worry about in this time was pouring water over his mentor's hands and feet. That's all he had to worry about. But when Elijah went up in a chariot of fire, all of a sudden, Elisha's scrambling, looking for the mantle of the man of God from the old man, and he's trying to wrap it all together. And he said, I got to get back across this river. He got us through it. He parted the water. We walked through. Now, I got to get back. Hmm. He was simply saying something like, if Elijah was here, I wouldn't have to deal with this. If Elijah was here, I wouldn't have to do it. But I got to see my father, my spiritual father, when God brought us through. And I know he will get me through just like my father showed me. Mm. Did anybody in the house hear that? He will get me through. Hmm. Things will hit you because you are the protector. Ladies, young ladies, if he comes home complaining, if he comes home whining, oh my, about everything that he has faced that day, there's a good indicator he's not going to be the man you think he is. Help me Lord. Because some of the protection that you are gonna provide is in your silence. Prayer warriors pray, we plowing now. You see, you deal you deal with it, men. With your mouth shut. Now there's a place to get it out, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But it's not regurgitating it on your family. I came home a few nights ago, and my daughter was driving me crazy. What's wrong, Dad? What's wrong, Dad? Why are well, you so quiet, Dad? Why are well, you so quiet, Dad? What's going on, Dad? I'm good. I'm good. She knew something was going on, and there was just a battle going on in my spirit for my household, and I was fighting. And she didn't need to know. Hmm. You know, I'm just going to lay it out there. Some of the men we're raising today, oh, my, my, my. They whine more than a middle school girl. (laughs) Come on now, they do. I just can't take it. I'm going to find me a bar. I'm going to mama's because I'm falling apart. I'm just sick of this. Come on now. You see, that's why women... Or having to step up and say, Everything gonna be all right, boy, come here to mama. <laughs> <me>. Yes, please. <laughs> Folks, if you're gonna raise a young man to be a man, to be a father, to be a husband, you got to let him be exposed to some trouble. When he when he falls down, you, you don't snatch him up while he's trying to say, "Come here, baby, mama gonna take care of you." He's thirty years old. <laughs> Come on, he's gonna be all right. You, you know, kind of get like my daddy used to be. Get up, boy. What's wrong with you? I remember my dad beating the fire out of me and me crying, and my mama saying, "Come here, baby." He said, "Don't you hold that boy." And then mom and I both were crying, <laughs> sitting across the room from each other. Look at these, they're going, ah! But he made me a man. You, being a man, you got to be tough. You can't be a pansy. We don't need no more sissy boys Christians, you know what I'm saying? You got, thank you. <laughs> life's not going to run over him. Life's not going to run over you. Quit. We, we've got to quit going and gone over 35-year-old men like they're toddlers. I love you, I love you, I love you. You see, that, that's the problem. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe. Charlotte, you may have to have the car started after I get done here. <laughs> I believe. Hmm, help me, Jesus, to say this the right way. The problem is that this generation is waiting for somebody to come kiss the boo boo and say it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it better. And I'm going to leave this section of the sermon to this man up. Please, man up. Okay, he's a protector. We'll move on. Man up and be the protector. Here we go. <laughs> I gotta go before somebody gets upset with me. Second characteristic you gotta have is you gotta be a provider. A great man is a provider. And, and when I say provisions and provider, I'm not just talking about bringing home the money. Bringing the bacon home. I'm not talking about having a role for him. That's not what I'm talking about. You provide wisdom. You provide friendship. You provide counsel. You provide a, a great perspective. You provide a camaraderie. You, you, you provide insight. You you provide a, a giving spirit. In other words, he adds to your life. He adds to you they add into your life your life is richer your life is fuller because they have come into your life it's not an issue of who makes the most money oh you see he's still the provider you may make more money than he does but he's still the provider you see he's a contributor he's a giver girls If he's got a stingy spirit, I wish all my engaged girls were in here today. If he's got a stingy spirit, (laughs) kick him to the curb now. Boot him. I don't care how fine he is. Hannah's still trying to convince me how fine O is. I don't see it. I mean, I look at him and say, bless his heart. I love him. But bless his heart. And I'm just kidding though. No, I'm not. (laughs) He's a provider. He's a contributor. He has a giving spirit. If he does not have a giving spirit now, get rid of him because he's going to stay that way and it's going to get worse the older he gets. Now, I'm not talking about giving you everything you want. I'm gonna go ahead and keep picking on Hannah. She's here, I ain't got to pick on her in a long time. Because if women, if you're like my daughter, Chase Bank can't provide what you want. (laughs) They don't have enough money to do it. I'm talking about providing for your needs, not just monetary needs, but providing for you. Did you, it should be in a man's DNA to be a provider, to be a giver. Did you know that God, when God created man, it says in Genesis that he created him in his likeness, and he created him in his image. And one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, which simply means that he will provide. So it should be in our DNA. The provision should be in this masculine DNA that we are a giver, that we're not a taker, that we're there to provide. You are built to be a giver, not a receiver. Wow. We should teach our young men to be givers. I'm always on my girls about manners. And if I hear one of them not say yes ma'am or no ma'am or yes sir, I give them that eye. And they know what I'm talking about. It's part of training them up to show that respect, to give that respect, to provide that respect. Yeah, we hear them come home and a man will come home and say, Dad, I'm in love. She's beautiful. And I'm a man. And I'm gonna marry her. Where are you gonna live, boy? You ain't staying here. She wants to eat, you better get a job. He's a provider. He's a provider. And somewhere in this day and time, we've got some things jacked up, haven't we? He's a provider. He provides. We provide. I'm going to move on. Number three, you should be a promoter. Now, I'm not saying promote yourself. You promote somebody other than yourself. Mm. It's, It's not about getting the whole family to make you look good. It's about using the gifts that God has given you to make them look good. You promote them. You want them to look good. If God the Father spoke about his son and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, hear him. Listen to him. Hear him. Wow. You see, there there ought to be a time in your life that you begin to recognize that it's not about you. It's about your household. I love you men in the house. Some of you elder men, you could come up here and preach this so much better. And I've watched your example. I followed it, and I appreciate it so much. But we've got to raise up men of God who are the provider, who are a promoter. You see, men are fighting us, men, not just to get you. He's not throwing all that stuff in front of you just to get you. Because most of us who are 30 and 40 and over, you're probably already dysfunctional. He's fighting you. (laughs) Help me, Lord. He's messing with you, trying to get you to do something so stupid that it's going to mess your kids up because he wants them. He don't want you promoting them and them seeing the things of God that's happening in your life and, and you're encouraging them. He wants you to screw up so it messes them up. <laughs> so that, that generational curse that's been trickling down continues to trickle down, but it's time we break it and say no more. I may have had to deal with it, but my son and daughter and my wife are not going to have to fool with it. We've got to promote. I'm going to stand and see the salvation of God so this does not happen in my children's life. Men, sometimes you just got to stick it out. Go back to something I said a little earlier. Sometimes you just got to man up and stick it out until the love returns. You ever heard a Father's Day sermon like this? Help me, Jesus. You see, a father also should be a priest. A father should be a priest. In the Bible, it says the man is the priest of the house. The priest of his household. Hmm. That's why God referred to him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't become Isaac's God until he was a man. Now his father taught him the ways and showed him the ways so that when he raised him up and he became to that point in the age of life, God became his God. He, went his, he didn't become his God while he was a change. He became God's, Jacob's God when he became a man. It was a process where God began to deal with the father's patriotical blessing to be instilled down upon the son. And as he instilled it upon the son, God became Jacob's God. Yeah, yeah. Noah, when the flood was over, God had wiped out the earth, the, the ark can't land. You know what the first thing Noah did? Before he built a house, before he did anything, he built an altar. Wow. Because he was the priest of his house. As a man, you got to have a prayer life. I'll say it to this side, maybe y'all get it. As a man, you've got to build an altar and have a prayer life. You've got to. You've got to have a prayer life. Now, some of you women, you don't think your husbands pray a bit because he don't act like you. Men don't pray like women. Most men don't pray like women. I love it when we come in here on Saturday mornings and and, and these women get to praying. When Miss Mary and my mama, man, they they start praying. You hear them praying in this house. I mean, you hear things like, Oh Lord, the enemy's after my boy Scott. He wants to take the anointing. He wants to take the ministry, but I serve notice you can't have it. That's my boy, I'm covering him right now. And then it escalates and it goes from that's my boy to oh God, protect my baby boy. Be with Jeremy, oh God. You know what he's dealing with the work, oh Lord. I rebuke the devourer over my baby boy. And then you hear Mary kick right in behind her. Oh, Jesus, thank you for my boys. Thank you for my daughter, God, for doing what you're doing. And she's standing now. Oh, Lord. Men, don't pray like that. We just don't do it. A man comes to God and he says, Lord, I need $275 tomorrow. And God, I'm trusting you, Lord, because... I need a breakthrough, Lord. I'm believing you to do it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Ain't that the truth, fellas? We're different. We're wired different. And then she comes in and she said, we wouldn't be in this mess. You've been praying. He did. You just didn't hear him. You didn't hear him. A man should be a praying man. <laughs> you can't. Men, I love you. I love hanging out with my bro- brothers. I- I'll tell you, I had so much fun shooting guns and watching you guys uh, a few weeks ago. It was so funny. Uh, some of them had never shot a gun. It was hysterical. We gave them the biggest caliber there was and about knocked them on their hind end. It was great. <laughs> I think Bobby's the one who said, watch this, watch this. I love hanging out with you. But you just can't come to church. You got to have a prayer life. You got this is why you've got to have a place where you turn it over to God. Because remember, you're at the front. You're the protector. It's hitting you before it gets to anybody. And you've got to have somewhere to take all that stuff and give it to him. You've got to have a prayer life to a place to turn it over to God. Because, men, if you don't turn it over to God, you're going to crack. I know you're a manly man. I know you are a stud. I know you got this under control. And you're all that. But you've got to have a place that you can take this and give it to him. Because if you don't, you're going to break. You're going to flip out. You're going to lose control. You, you, You have to cast your cares upon him. Oh, come on. You see, I'm not worrying if I turn it over to him. You know, I think of my dear friend sitting back there in the back, Mr. Bob. I love this guy. What a man of God. But I could see him about 400 years ago when he drove the very first fighter jet that the United States of America had. And I could imagine his big old tall self getting in that cockpit. And I would, I would venture to bet the first thing you did was turn it over to God. Lord, you got to do this if I'm going to see my family again. And just as seriously as he took... Flying that fighter jet off of that aircraft carrier, you too have got to take your household, your family, and your, your cares so seriously to turn it over to him. And I thank God that he answered for Mr. Bob and the same God that answered for Mr. Bob will answer for you if you will turn your cares over to him. Mm. Turn it over to the Lord. Guys, let's just get real for a minute. You've, people are going to come to you and turn it over to you I'd say Todd hears so many complaints every day from the crew he manages they sound like a bunch of teenage girls crying and whining I bet and they bring it to him and they bring it to him and in order for him not to bring that junk home to miss Cheryl he's got to cast his cares upon the Lord we got to have a place when people bring us the stuff when your kids bring you the trouble when your wife brings you the trouble Y'all men are scared. (laughs) Just kidding. You're smart. Your siblings bring you trouble. Everybody around you is bringing trouble. You, somebody hear me right now. You can't hold it. Men, I know just about every one of you. And every one of you is a manly man. But you can't hold it. Because you will crack at some point. I've canceled and sat with too many men that have let it go until the point of breaking. And when they lose it, they lose it. I love you, but you can't hold it. You've got to cast it upon the Lord and say, God, I know you're going to take care of this. You want to be the best husband, the best father, the best man, a great man that you can be, you've got to learn to turn it over to him. You've got to give it to him. Folks, I'm just here to tell you, we got to have some praying men in this church. We got to. Do I have any praying men in the house? We got to have some praying men in this church. We need some men in this house that knows how to pray. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8: I desire therefore that men pray. Everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, I desire to have men praying everywhere. First Thessalonians 5:17 says, "Pray without ceasing." Pray without ceasing. You know why God tells us to pray without ceasing? Because I'm here to tell you, the stuff coming at you, it's going to come at you without ceasing. So you better be praying without ceasing. If you don't want the junk to take you over, you've got to be praying. And when they begin to see that when they throw it at you, Bobby, and then you take it to God, oh, it's going to turn it's going to turn. You co- they complain to you and you take it to God. If you don't take it to God, I'm going to tell you, you're going to collapse. You're going to collapse. There's times I've sat in the office and, and had four or five appointments in a row, and man, I'm ready to collapse. And I just got to come in here and I'll lay on my face and say, okay, God, this is your stuff. You take care of them. You can handle it. I can't. You got to intervene, God. This is yours. This is yours. I listened, gave them scripture. Now you got it. You take care of it, God. You see, some, wow, I'm just gonna call it, help me, Lord. Some of you don't take it to God, and that's why you start going back to the bar and drinking. That's why you start smoking. That's why you, you, you can't carry all this crazy stuff. So you try to handle it and deal with it in various ways. Some of men in this house, you think the only thing standing between you and God is the sin in your life. Hmm. Men, the sin in your life's not your biggest problem. You're like a prayer is your biggest problem. God said in 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 if my people if let's bring it on home my men who are called by my name will humble themselves and what if they will humble and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven, and hear this, and will forgive their sins. A prayer problem turns into a sin problem. The cure to the sin problem is to pray, is to pray. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. In Scott's interpretation, you know what that's telling me? God says, don't worry about the sin. I'm going to forgive the sin. I will heal your land. My problem with you is you're not praying. If you will pray, God says, I'm going to heal your weakness. You see, when I pray for my children and my family and my wife, I don't pray for them as their pastor. I go before the Lord as a higher power as their father because as their father I'm the priest over my house and God will hear me. I remember, I don't remember the exact details because I was in such a woo-hoo, but when Emily was born, she popped out and they took off running with her. No explanation, something, how they say a the word, I don't remember what it was. But I remember I had to go out and tell all the family. But I remember going to tell the family and I found me an elevator. I got in that thing and that door closed and I was the only one in there and here's what I did. I said, in the name of Jesus, you can't have my baby. She's God's child. She's whole. She's healed. She's pure. She's going home. You can't have her in the name of Jesus. Amen. amen. And then I got off the elevator and I went and told them everything's okay. They had to take her to clean her up. And I have you know, it wasn't long. They came bringing her right back in. Hannah had no clue what was going on. What's up, Daddy? What are you doing? But man, we got to pray. We got to believe. Devil, you can't have her. You can mess with me, but don't you mess with my family. Don't you mess with my household. Mm. Some of us need to get a fight inside of us, and a fight that puts us on our knees. A fight that will cause the devil to run. You see, we need some men that will step up and come in and say, wait a minute. You can't have them. You can't take them. They're gods. That's my inheritance. That's my child. That's my wife. You can't have them. Men, you can pray for your wife better than anybody can. You can pray for your children better than anybody can. If you're a praying man, you are going to be the priest that God's called you to be over his house. Folks, he's my God. He's my God. And I will fight. And I will pray. And I will believe. I want my children to know that no matter where they're at, and no matter what they're going through, daddy will be there. I may not be around, but I will get there ASAP. I will be there. Charlotte, whatever we go through, we're in it. I will cover, I will protect, I'll do whatever I have to, but we're in it together. Father, sometimes you just need to show up. It don't matter how old they get. You just need to show up. You just need to go let them sit on your lap, put your arms around them, let them know you love them and you're still there. No matter if they're 30, 40, 50, you're still there. Show up. You know, we just gotta show up for the fight. Greg, I don't know if you remember it or not, but at Northwest Middle Junior High, when we were there, there was a rock out front. and It was one of those things, said, okay, Corbin, meet me at the rock, I'm gonna whip your tail at 3.30 after school, you hear me? <laughs> and I remember there was a young man, and I'll be real honest, I disliked him immensely. In my eighth grade mind, I hated that joker. He was a bully. He picked on everybody. And one day he did something, stood on a chair behind me and did something. I don't remember what he did. And I turned around and slapped at him. Just told him, you're not going to do me this way. And he said, boy, meet me at the Rock. Meet me at the Rock. If I said his name, you know exactly. You may know who I'm talking about anyway, Greg. I was scared to death. He was from rural. He was mean. He was tough. Everybody was afraid of him. But i remember going to that rock with tears flowing because i was mad and scared at the same time and i remember he was kind of standing sideways and i just took off and i said bam and i put him down and i jumped on top of him and i was just going crazy i was swinging i was i, was, I showed up for the fight because i was mad he wasn't going to do that to me man we got to get that in our spirit when it comes to our households we got to fight Oh, We'll fight if it's in the physical, but what about if the enemy's trying to take them? What if the enemy's steering them down the wrong road? What if the enemy's trying to sift them and, and, and get them? Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to be that praying man, that prayer warrior that gets down to business for your kids? You're the priest of your home, and when they're in trouble, we gotta be there. We gotta be there. All right, I'm gonna get it going. This is the last one. This one may flip some of you out. But a good father, a good man... You're going to be a prophet in your household. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You prophesy to your children. This is what I mean. You tell them what they can be. You tell them who they can become. You tell them what they can do. You encourage them to be what God has called them to be. You speak destiny into their life. You speak into them. You encourage them. Let them begin to see who they're going to be. You don't speak to the predicament, but you speak to their destiny. I remember my children going through issues, and boy, it had been easy to say, what were you thinking, you big idiot? You big dummy. You knew better than this. But we have got to look at them and, and not focus on the predicament, but begin to speak into them and tell them, you're better than this. You can go further than this. This is not the end of your life. This is a stepping stone. Then get back up, let's fight. We're gonna get through this, you're gonna make it. You've got destiny, I see it in your spirit. You're a winner. You don't even recognize it, you don't even see it right now, but you're a winner. Don't quit. You gotta speak over them. We gotta speak over them. You got to speak over them. Pastor Eric begins to make his way up. I think every man in this house ought to have a little preach in him. I think every one of us ought to have a little preach in us. To be able to Look at somebody and say, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. I love it when this man of God will send me a text and say, wow, you got this. You're going to make it. I've, got, I've covered you in prayer today. That's him speaking over me. That's him prophesying over me. That's him telling me that I'm going to make it. That I got this. Wow. I know I've went longer today, and I apologize. Well, not really. But I'm going to close with this story in Genesis chapter 45. 35. Yeah. Rachel was in labor as they were traveling. And she was having hard labor. She was dying. as she was giving birth to their last son, hers and Jacob's. And she delivered the baby boy. And right before she died, the nurse had the baby. And Rachel says, his name will be Ben-Anna. His name is Ben-Anna, which simply means son of my sorrow. And Jacob comes wobbling around the corner in his old age. And the nurse is holding the baby in. Weeping because Rachel had died. And she's holding the baby, and she looks at Jacob and says, This is your son. His name is Ben Anna. And I can just see old Jacob. He's hunched over, but all of a sudden he straightens up. And he says, Wait a minute no 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 his name will be benjamin his name is benjamin son of my strength son of my right hand son of my power and all of a sudden this new little baby boy whose mama died giving birth to him, who had every right to grow up dysfunctional. All of a sudden, the atmosphere changes. (laughs) And you know what happens? Out of his loin (laughs) comes a king of Israel. And then another king of Israel. And then another king of Israel. All because he had a daddy that said, wait a minute, I'm gonna speak to who you are, not the predicament that you were born in. I'm going to speak to that spirit of a winner that's inside of you, not the predicament, not the dysfunction, but I'm going to speak who you can be. Your children, your wife, the people around you, your spiritual sons, your spiritual daughters, they need you to speak to who they can be. They need you to speak to that seed of the great I am that's inside of them. Not the dysfunction, not the situation, but speak to it all because his father prophesied and told him who he was and I promise I'm closing right here I believe the problem a lot of times with this society is that there's a lot of men out there that have never had another man, man to tell them who they are They've never had a man to speak to who they are. And they don't know. And therefore, they don't operate in it. But I'm here this morning to make a declaration. I'm here to speak into the atmosphere of this house. As the father of this house. We're getting ready to break that in this house. Because the men in this house today are going to start speaking into their families' lives. Here's how I'm going to close. I know we're nine minutes over. But I want to ask every man, every young man in this house that wants to be that man to join me right here for a moment. While everyone is seated, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to join me. I'm not going to linger. We're going to move right on. stand ready to receive an impartation so begin to decree and begin to declare over your life I'm gonna ask you if you would just simply stand in a position ready to receive because some of you need to step up some of you are already there and you just need an encouragement but some of you you need to get a prayer life Some of you need to begin to start promoting. Some of you need to start speaking. Some of you need to begin to be being the priest of your house. And I'm believing right now, we're going to make this impartation. And we're going to leave this house a group of men of God, of great men. Great men. There's a lot of good men standing right here in front of me. But I'm believing as we leave, we're great men. We're great men. We make a difference in our children. We make a difference in everybody around us. We make a difference in our wives, our fiancés. We make them better because we promote them and encourage them. So I'm gonna ask you right now, if you're comfortable raising your hands, raise your hands. I'm gonna ask Eric to begin to lead us. women. Ladies of God, women of God, I'm going to ask you to stand and stretch your hands this way. You may not have a feller up here, but somebody's is up here. Begin to intercede for them and to believe God to raise them up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I make a declaration over this group of men. They are royalty. They've been chosen for this day. They've been selected, hand-selected by you. You are their Father. You created them in your image. You created them with great destiny. You created them not just with a promotion but you created them to rise up with excellence. You created them to speak as a prophet over their households. and right now I speak to that seed of greatness inside of every one of them and I say rise up men of God rise up. Fulfill the destiny that God has generated and created for you there is excellence inside of you man of God be the man that God has called you to be now in the name of jesus you have greatness in you you have greatness in you begin to listen to the voice of god begin to seek the voice of god begin to proclaim the word of god over your household i speak there are no stingy men in this house they are givers they are sowers they bless those who are around them each and every one of them make those around them better in the name of jesus (laughs) father right now you're raising them up from one side to the other you're raising them up from the youngest to the oldest let them see the seed of greatness that is in them God right now that one that's carrying a load that one that is not emptied and dumped it right now let them dump it on you let them give their cares to you because you care for them and as they dump it and empty it fill it with your peace fill it with your joy God give them that eye. That's hungry. That I that wants to succeed in the things of God. That I that wants to protect their household. That I that is going to be there for their household. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Some of you men just need to press. God's presence is up here. There's tears flowing and God is touching them. God, right now. I love these brothers, God. God, I want to see them be great successes. The adversary would love nothing more to take them down as they're standing up front, taking the blow. But I speak strength into them. I speak royalty into them. I speak that they will withstand the the fiery darts of the enemy. God, I speak right now that you are raising a standard against the adversary on their behalf. I speak great men, great men, great men in this house. ask you to stay right where you're at for just another second. Charles, would you please bring me one like? You. We want to recognize these men. I know it's just a simple little gesture, but it's kind of neat. It kind of goes along with my sermon. But it says to the only Mr. Good Dad. And we want to bless every man in the house with one of these. May not make it out without your wife snatching it, but we tried. Yeah. But men, we want you to know we appreciate you, every man in the house. Thank you so much. And Thatcher, I wasn't trying to steal yours. I thought he was bringing it to me from Charlotte to use as example. He wasn't gonna let go. That's for his daddy. It's a good son right there. Men, we love you, and we appreciate you. believing that as you begin to make this stand we're going to see some things changed we love you we appreciate you and Mr. Corbin is going to come to dismiss you if you're a man in the house and you didn't get your Mr. good dad or great dad they'll have them for you at the rear as you exit Thank you for this time together. Uh, we thank you uh, that you have brought us to this place. God, that you're speaking truth, you're speaking life, you're speaking power uh, over the people in this room. God, I pray that uh, as we leave here, the men in this house, God, we begin to stand up, we begin to take our place, we begin uh, to follow your way. And God, that we are <clears throat> the man, the men that you have called us to be. Father, I pray for all the dads in here today. that They have a fantastic Father's Day for the families to enjoy uh, with one another. And for those who uh, today is difficult, God, I pray that you just give peace and comfort uh, over each of us today as we leave this place. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen.